Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Showcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler, from the great state of North Carolina, with my co-host, Glenn McMillian, from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers, from the state of Illinois, Steve Carter, from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington, from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips, from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman, from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson, from the state of... Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we're grateful that you're tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or if you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this radio show, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can call Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina. And you can call 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if we... If you, have, if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Now, before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host, 
Brian Christian Coleman as he breaks unto our listeners the bread of life, and also Steve Cordo as well, and my co-host Clay Phillips as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you'll continue to bless them and their efforts as they continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked and it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For us in Christ's name, we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. Our speakers for the show this evening in the first segment, my co-host Brian Christian Coleman, he serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shouted out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host Clay Phillips. He serves with the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be answering our question in that segment. And then to close out the show, my co-host Steve Cordo, he serves with the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you'll be that of my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Send the light, send the light, oh the blessing. 
skies full of light. Let it shine from the shore. listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host brian christian coleman and this subject don't park here good evening brothers and sisters members of the newark of the churches of christ throughout this land and throughout this entire country it is an honor and a great privilege that we have that god has blessed us that we may come together once more to study another portion of his holy and divine word. You know, God has been so good to us. He's been better than we've even been to ourselves. And you know what? God is so long-suffering. He has put up with man for so many, many years. And he still showed us his love by sending his only begotten son, who gave his life on Calvary's cross for all mankind, that one day we may have a right to the tree of life. Thank you, Brother Butler, for another opportunity that you have given me to share what little I know of God's eternal, holy, and divine word. And if we have any visitors here this evening that are listening, we'd like to welcome you to our discussion this evening for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ preaching, being preached and taught here this evening. And let me let you know that there is only one church, and that church is the Church of Christ, and you are in the best place you can be right now in listening to our program, and we pray that something is said tonight that will tickle your heart and get your mind to think and ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And you will contact Brother Butler, and I'm sure he will give you his information again of how to contact him to find the local Church of Christ in your area where you can go and let the preacher know, I heard the Gospel Light radio show tonight on Thursday night, and I want to become a member of the Church of Christ and put him on, put on, put, go on to, into the dripping waters of baptism and be baptized for the remission of my sins. We thank you for, com- for being a part of our program this evening. We ask that you may please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. 
Again, that's the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. And the Bible reads, Not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, is that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise, otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. If that's in your copy of God's holy and divine word, say amen. I like to speak as the Spirit guides me this evening on the subject. Don't park here. Don't park here. Have you ever driven your car on an errand or out on a Saturday afternoon with your wife, your girlfriend, your mother, or whomever, and you're driving to in, driving in the city and you went to the mall, and when you're in the mall parking lot, you're looking for a parking spot to park your vehicle. You want to park a parking spot near where you plan to shop. You look around looking for a parking lot. As you're driving, you see a possible parking spot in the near distance. You see a parked car coming out of a spot, and you're praying to God that nobody have you will take that spot. You get closer and closer to the potential parking spot, and you praise God that you have just got that empty parking spot. And as you ease in your car into that parking spot, you see a sign posted in red and white saying, no parking, tow-away zone. You are now angry, (laughs) and now you have to pull out of that spot avoiding to hit another moving vehicle and look for another parking spot. I know I'm in this car by myself this evening. Brother Butler, say amen when you can. When you go into some areas of a particular municipality, you will see large areas of open parking areas, and they are used as tollway zones, loading zones, or no parking zones. I have been there myself, my brothers and sisters, when looking for a parking spot. If you plan to take a chance in parking in that area you're not supposed to park in, I guarantee you that you're going to have to pay the price for parking there. You will get either a pricey parking ticket and or your vehicle will be towed. Sometimes you don't have to wait long. I've been been in some areas where the police put the ticket on the car, and immediately call for a tow truck. And basically, you have to pay, when you go to the 
to the lot to get your car, you've got to play not just the ticket, but also $150 in some cases for your car being told and $25 a day for storage fees for each day your vehicle is held by the, the city. And I've been a witness when a parking ticket is written, as I said, you're going to have to pay some pretty good money. So when you see no parking sign, I would recommend that you don't take a chance and park there. Now, if you understand that, you're going to understand what I'm about to say. In life, we are encountered with many different challenges. We are faced with many challenges that require us to, to take some time out of our lives in order for us to deal with it. I'm about to discuss three particular ones that we need not ever to park at. The first one I would like to mention is don't park at the sign of disabilities. Thing that will have to, that, that comes to, uh, that will cause us to stop and park is the issue of disabilities. There are several different disabilities that individuals face each day. Some of the different types of disabilities are vision, mobility, neurological, cognitive, medical, and psychological. Each disability has a common definition. There are vision, the cause and ability to see different things, perceive light or color, or correctly judge distances. Mobility cause difficulty with the inability to use the hands, feet, arms, or legs. Auditory, the cause particular or total inability to perceive sounds, including total deafness or different degrees of hearing loss. Neurological, causes restricted sensory perception, mental processing, or motor function. Symptoms include paralysis, tremors, mental memory loss, and cognitive malfunctions. Cognitive is the, is the cause of loss of memory, reduced attention span, underdevelopment, maturity, and judgment. Medical causes restricted endurance, attention, or mobility, various levels of pain and fatigue. And finally, psychological causes mental loss, difficulties regulating emotions, and difficult in concentration. There are three types of disability. They are partial disability, permanent disability, and permanent total disability. When you are faced with a particular disability, it causes the individual to become depressed. They feel that they are no good to anyone and feel themselves a burden to individuals that help them. Have I come up to your doorstep and rang your doorbell? I may be talking about a loved one or some friend of yours who is facing one of these disabilities. And you know what? When they're in this state of disability, they lash out at individuals and start having thoughts that everyone is against them. When a person gets into this rut of depression, it is very hard for the person to come out of that depression. But you know what, brothers and sisters? I read about an individual who had gone through 
some issues in history. That was a strong man, an agile man, and a man with energy to spare. And one day, he lost his ability to walk. The man I'm speaking about is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was born in Hyde Park, New York in 1882. And coincidentally, he is the third cousin of former President Theodore Roosevelt, who was our 26th President of the United States. He became a New York State Senator in 1910. He later became Assistant Secretary of the Navy between 1913 and 1919 under President Woodrow Wilson. He was nominated at the Democratic National Convention in 1920 to run for Vice President of the United States with his running mate, James M. Cox, who ran for president. In 1920 run, Roosevelt was struck down with polio. At first, some people would believe that this was the end of his political career. And remember, at that time, there was no vaccine for the issue of polio. But thank God it was not the end of the line for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Roosevelt did not accept his particular situation. He began to work on himself physically each and every day in order to get back some type of physical strength. He developed his own wheelchair from a kitchen chair. He was able to drive a car again by having it designed to operate from the steering wheel with his hands, including the brake and accelerator. In 1929, Roosevelt ran and became governor of, of New York and served from 1929 to 1932. During the Great Depression, Roosevelt decided he was going to run for president of the United States. And Roosevelt became president in 1932, and he held the office of President of the United States from 1932 to his death in 1945, and steered this country through the Great Depression, including the Second World War. This was a man that had a disability, but he did not allow that disability to keep him down. Roosevelt did not park on the street of disability but decided to keep moving forward and became a great man. The Bible tells us of a prophet by the name of Moses that had a disability. The Bible says in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see God, called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And he said, draw not neither nigh, neither nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And in verse 10, God told Moses, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou mayest bring forth my people out of the land of Israel, out, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Then Moses began to tell God in verse 11, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? And what should I bring forth, and that I bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And verses 13 and 14, Moses said to God, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, 
and shall say and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am sent me unto you. In Exodus 4 and 10, the Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I have a, I am slow of speech and a slow tongue. What that meant to say was that he was telling God that he, was a, he had a stuttering problem. And God told Moses, who made your mouth? I know that you've got a stuttering problem all your life. And God told Moses, you've got an older brother by the name of Aaron. Just whisper in his ear what you want to say, and Aaron will speak for you. Moses had a disability of speech, but God showed him that even though he had a disability, you can still be a servant for me. Hello, that lets us know that no matter what, what your disability, God has a purpose for you. We need to remember before we, are, we were born, when we were in our mother's womb, God had a purpose for each and every one of us. So don't park on the street of disability. My second point, don't park on the street of past failures. I don't care who you are, where you grew up, where you went to school, what year you graduated high school, what year you attended and graduated from college. When you work in your past right up to this present time, you have failed one time or another. Each of us have failed in one sense of the word. Everyone has failed in passing an examination, in business, failed at work failed in marriage, failed as a child. Each of us have failed in life. Failure is described as is the state of a condition or not meaning a desirable or intended objective. When, pe- when, when some people deal with a major failure, they become depressed, they don't want to go to work, don't want to go be around family, they have lack of energy, lack of focus, and even become suicidal. One thing that we, mu- we must admit is we all are going to fail at least once in our lives. When I think of failure, I think about an individual that dealt with failure more than his life from a youth, right up to his adult years. That man was Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States. Abraham Lincoln was born February 12, 1809, in Hogginville, Kentucky. Lincoln was born in poverty. At the age of nine, his beloved mother passed away, leaving him and his 11-year-old sister alone. As he became an adult in 1828, his sister died in childbirth. He worked several jobs, from working on a flatboat to a store clerk, a surveyor, and other positions. And each of those positions, he failed. 
And as a store clerk one day, he opened up a barrel, and under an old pair of shoes, he found a book called Blackstone's Commentaries, which turned out to be the most important law book written at that time. So Lincoln became, began to study on becoming a lawyer. He failed the bar exam three to four times before he finally passed and obtained his law license. He was a popular lawyer and earned the name Honest Abe due to his, his will to get to the truth. His first love was a woman by the name of Ann Rutledge, who died of typhoid fever in 1836. In 1842, he married a woman by the, by the name of Mary Todd. His first son, Eddie Baker Lincoln, died in 1850 from tuberculosis. In 1862, he lost his third son, Willie, from a fever in 1862. In 1830, he ran for the Illinois State Legislature and lost. He finally was elected to the state legislature and served between 1834 to 1842. He ran for congressman in 1843, but lost the election. He finally won a seat to Congress for only, two, uh, only one term between 1847 and 1849, but lost his reelection bid in 1849. In 1856, he was nominated as vice, the vice president under the newly formed Republican Party. He lost. But in 1860, he was elected president of the United States and served two terms between 1861 and 1865 and steered the country through the Civil War. And, and thank God, Lincoln had wisdom. In 1862, Lincoln pushed and got the Emancipation Proclamation signed, which ended slavery in the United States. This man had racked up a large amount of disappointments and failures in life, but he rose above all disappointments and failures to go down in history as one of the greatest presidents of the United States of America. In the Bible, we see a man that was told that he was going to be a man that would have the keys of the kingdom. But because of him being scared, he thought that he had lost it all. I think you all know who I'm talking about. We're talking about the Apostle Peter. The brother of Andrew was called by Jesus. Come and follow him. He would make him fishers of men. Peter was on the ship of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee when Jesus was taking a nap in the bottom of the ship and the winds and the waves on that ship and everyone was afraid and you know that they went down to the sh in the ship and woke up Jesus and saying master do you care that we perish and Jesus stood on the deck of that ship and stood there like a man but he spoke like God and said peace be still and the Bible says and there was a great calm and the question was asked what manner of man is this that the winds and the waves obey him. Peter was there when Christ was invited to a wedding, and he turned water into wine. Peter was present when Jesus Christ took two small fish and five barley loaves 
and said 5,000 men, not including women and children, on a hillside. Peter was there when they came to see his friend Lazarus, who was sick. And his sister Martha had met them and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have lived. And Jesus told her, you're going to see him again. And Martha said, I knew I'll see him at the resurrection. But Jesus shot back and said, I am the resurrection. And he said, take me where you laid him. And Jesus stood there in front of the tomb and surely know that something is going to happen in the na- in, a, in, a na- in a name. There's something in a name. Because Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Peter was there when Jesus wanted to know what men were saying about him. And he asked, whom do men say, I, the son of man, am? And they told him and gave them a some say report. They said, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah or just one of the prophets. What they were saying, Lord, they don't know who you are, but they think you're a good man. Then he turned to his chosen 12, who had witnessed him doing all these great miracles. And they asked him, whom do you say that I, the son of man, am? And Peter stood there and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus told him that he was, not, he was not smart enough to figure this thing out. You got help from my father, which is in heaven. And he told Peter, upon this rock, what rock? The confession that Peter made, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he went on to tell him, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever ye bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever she loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then later on, he was arrested. Jesus was arrested by the Jews and marched to Judgment Hall, the Judgment Hall. And Peter, warning, went to a, a fire to warm himself. And he had forgotten what Jesus had told him when he said, I will die for you, Lord. And I'm sure Jesus knew that Peter was sincere. He believed he was going to be with Jesus. And he told him before the clock caught through, you're going to deny him three times. And Peter denied him three times because he got scurred and remembered what Jesus had told him. Now, when Jesus had rose from the dead, he instructed to tell his disciples he had rose from the dead. And he added, also tell Peter. And we see later on in the book of John, chapter 12, verses 15 to 17. So when they had denied Jesus, said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, love thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my flock. 
Jesus asked him the same questions to Peter three different times. Now, you may ask that Jesus was testing Peter, but the meaning of the questioning was to get Peter to know they had forgiven him for for his trespass in the past. The same number of times Peter had denied Jesus was the same number of times that Jesus asked him, did he love him? Jesus was letting Peter know that everything is all right between, between the two of us, Peter. Later on, we see the different, a different Peter in Acts chapter 2 when we, on that same cursing, swearing, denying Peter, we see him stand up with the 11 apostles and preach the first gospel sermon before the multitude in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And after he preached, they asked a question, Men and brethren, what must we do? Then Peter said unto him, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter parked on the street of failure, of past, but Jesus helped him to understand that even though he had messed up in the past, Jesus could still use him for the glory of the kingdom. My last point is, Don't get caught parking on the street of past successes. One major issue is that many park at when they rest on the morals, past, and and present successes. They believe that if they work hard throughout their lives and become successful along the way, they feel that they can have a rest from all their hard work and, and live off the success that they have created over the years. Many become successful in politics, business, education, and general work. They have worked hard. They feel that they have, they can just sit back and enjoy themselves because they have worked hard and should celebrate regarding all that they have accomplished. They, that makes me think about a man who had a great harvest and decided to make plans without asking God's blessings. The Bible teaches us in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 20. The ground of a certain man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within, within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Even those shall those things be which thou hast provided. We see a man who was blessed by God with a great harvest, but he ran into a problem. He didn't have enough room for his store to store his harvest. So he decided to, to take all to, to take ownership of his problem. And instead of trying to fit everything in the barns, he made a decision in his mind to tear down these barns. 
He was going to build bigger barns. Then he said he was going to take a rest from all his hard work and told his soul to eat, drink, and be merry because he had a lot to, to survive on for a good many years. But there was a problem with his thinking. He had never even thanked God for what he had already been blessed with. Say amen when you can. He even he, he never ever consulted God through prayer about his future. And because of that, he, can, he was gone by tomorrow. He was here today and gone by tomorrow. That's why the Bible says in James chapter 14, verses 14 and 15, whereas ye know not what shall be tomorrow, but what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish, vanisheth away. For that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Then God said again, thou fool. This night, you know when God calls you a fool, you're sure enough fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be? And when God calls you a fool, as I said earlier, you are surely a fool. God has told him tonight that his soul was going to be required. That is why it's so important to watch what you do in regards to your life. Just because you are up today, you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You may have money in your pocket today, able to afford anything that you want and be able to get what you want because you have great credit. But just a little while later, your change becomes strange, your money is funny, and your dollars are hollering. Don't let the times ever though they are good fool you and thinking everything's going to be the way they are. Each and every one of us is just one paycheck away from poverty. And some of us are already there. Hello, say amen when you can. That is why we should not park on the street corner of past successes because that is the past and you have no way of knowing, knowing what the future is going to be. Stop putting your faith in your job, your money, your stocks and bonds, your IRAs and even in man. But you put your faith in Christ Jesus. Stop putting your faith in man because man will fail you. But your faith in the master teacher. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, lay not up yourselves treasures up upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For there your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You need to put your hands in the master's hands. You need to let Jesus Christ be the leader in your life, the head of your life. Don't depend on false religions, false prophets, religious racketeers, man's opinions leading you. But let Jesus lead you beside the raging water where you can cause the storms of your life to be at peace. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, come unto me all ye that labor and the heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you 
and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest upon your weary soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burdens are light. Don't you want some light burdens? Aren't you tired of going through life every single day with heavy burdens? It's time now to lay those burdens down by the riverside. It's time to take a time and know Jesus Christ. It's time to understand that we need to submit to him and become baptized. It's time to give up the riches of man and how man thinks and talks and put on Christ in baptism. And you have that opportunity tonight in knowing and becoming a member of the Church of Christ. You may say, Brother Preacher, what must I do? Do I have to come down front and give my religious um, experience? No, you don't. You don't have to come. Do I have to come down front and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? No, you don't. You just have to follow the plan of salvation. And it's so simple that everyone can follow. You first got to hear the gospel, Romans 10, 17. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You've got to believe the gospel, John 8, 24. Except you believe I'm he, you will die in your sins. And he said, if, I die, if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. Then you must re- repent of your sins. Repent means change your mind so God can change your state. You find this in Luke 13, 3 and 5. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You must then uh, confess the sweetest words that you will ever say. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Acts 8, 36 and 37. And then you must be baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Wherein baptism washes away your sins. Acts 22, 16. When you become a new creature, John 3 and 5. You become a child of God, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And you are added to the church of Christ, Acts 2 and verse 47. And if you are a member of the church of Christ and you have not been faithful, this is your opportunity when you are able to get up and come back, come out of COVID and come back to the church of Christ. You sit there and say, well, I'll come back because I'm scared of going to church. But you wake up every single Monday morning, and you make your way to work every single day, and you get there early. You go to Walmart. You go to Walgreens. You go to your doctor, your pharmacist, and you don't even think about COVID. But Sunday morning, you have nerve to say, I'm scared of getting COVID. Well, you need to give up your scaredness, come back, and rededicate yourself back to Jesus. I don't know where you are in this sermon. But if you are not a member of the Church of Christ, contact Brother Butler and find the local congregation in your area where you can go and become a member of the Church of Christ. I pray this message has been beneficial, has been edifying, and renewing for all of us who need to hear it. May God bless you, and may God keep you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. There's a land beyond the river that we call the sweet forever. And we only reach that shore by faith's decree. 
One by one we'll gain the portal There to dwell with the immortal When they ring those golden bells For you There's a land, There's a land beyond the river that we call, and we only reach that shore by faith decree. In that far, oh, just beyond, oh, when they ring. listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And I want to pose this question to my co-host, Clay Phillips. Brother Clay, how you doing, my brother? And I'm marvelous, man. Simply marvelous. Yes, sir. All right. We got a doozy of a question here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you now to go to that uh, Shout It Out group there, that biblical group there on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions, get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, we have a doozy of a question here. This question is from uh, Hollander from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Hollander says, now, please explain why all Powerful, why, uh, why an all-powerful creator of the universe needs praise and worship. Further, please explain why humans need to offer praise and worship. In each case, what deficiencies, what urges are being satisfied? Now, what say you to these questions? 
Good evening. I am Brother Clay Lethal, a minister here at the Rose City Church of Christ, and I'm so uh, glad that the question has been asked, and I'm just elated to be able to uh, discuss the question and talk about the question. I enjoy biblical questions. I enjoy uh, teaching the Word of God, and I encourage those that are um, Brother Clay, we we seem to have lost you. Brother Clay, your audio is out. Can you hear me? Okay, we hear you now. Okay, because I think you put me on mute. No, I didn't put you on mute. Okay, all right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Again, once again, I am Brother Clay Phillips. Sorry for the technology problem we have. We've got it straightened out. And uh, it's good to be here and to answer the, the particular question. Now, what I want to do, first of all, I want to... Uh, help us understand that uh, the Bible teaches us to be prepared, to be ready to answer the question that is asked us uh, by those that live in this world. Now, I want to uh, address this question uh, because the question is a fear or reverence type question. It is a question asking in fear or in reverence. We must understand the differentiation in fear and reverence. Um, So the question says, uh, please explain why an all-powerful creator of the universe needs praise and worship. Now I want to answer each part. I'm going to give three parts of this question. And I'm going to use application methodology. So the, uh, the first application of uh, the method is Roman number one, uh, why is because God is sovereign. Now the first part of the question is please explain why an all-powerful creator of the universe needs praise and worship. First application to it is because God is sovereign. Then the second part of the question is further, please explain why humans need to offer praise and worship. Now, the application particular part of the question is um, because God, listen now, because God is not a sinner. (laughs) Because God is not a sinner. And then the third part of the question says, in each case, what uh, deficiency or what urge are being satisfied? And then that part is uh, that God is omniscient. God is omniscient. So now I want you to bear with me and let us look at this question and be uh, mindful of it because the question 
we need to understand and differentiate between fear and reverence because the question is asked, uh, I believe, by fear. The person that asked the question seems to be in fear. Now, the first part of the question says, why an all-powerful creator of the universe need praise and worship? Uh, first of all, your fear demonstrates why God allowed us to worship him. It's because of your fear. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse, uh, if you turn down to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and the verse is, no, 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. Everybody turn the Bible down to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and the verse is number 7. And we find these words, the Bible says, for God have not given us the spirit of fear, but the power and of love and of a sound mind. So when you worship God, an individual that understands, so you recognize that God is all-powerful and all-creator of all things, of the universe, and he does not need, understand now, God does not need uh, praise and worship. What God have allowed is have given us the privilege. <laughs> Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. God have given us the privilege of worshiping and being a part of him. Now, turn to Hebrews. Let, let me share what I tell you. Turn your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews, chapter 10. And the verse, I'm going to read verse number 31, then we'll back up to verse uh, number 19. Hebrews 10, verse 31, the Bible says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So here, the Hebrew writer is telling us, number one, that we need to differentiate between reverence and fear. So he says, to fall, notice what it says now, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. In other words, we need, the reason why we reverence God is because of, we worship God is because we recognize that he is the God of the universe, that he is all-powerful, that he is what he is. That's the reason why you ask the question, because you know he is what he is. And so, now, the danger come about, now, let me read this now, the danger come about is it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Now, but the danger come about is to fall out of the hand of the living God. <laughs> the Bible speaks. What, what do you say? Because you back up to verse 19, it's telling us, listen, the reason why it said in verse number 30 that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of a living God. In other words, we know to fall into the hands of God is fear. Listen, it, how many of you just say, I, I just want to die? It is, it is a fearful thing to know that one day I got to leave this earth. But it, I, I'm going to leave here in reverence because I know there's an all-powerful God. So now, so the writer of Hebrews says in verse number 19, he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness 
to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he have created for us through the veil that is set or that saved in the flesh. So God said, listen, the Bible says, listen, that God have gave us, yes, we are the fear. The Bible says that on the high priest to go into the most holy of the holy, and then the cow walked around here. If something happened, they drug him out. They drug him out. Okay? So here we find clearly that the reason why, listen, why an all-powerful God, all-powerful creator of the universe uh, allow us, not that he needs us, but he allow us to, listen now, he allow us to praise him and worship him because of what he does. Now, the frustration and the frustrating thing about following God is that uh, he wants us to be obedient even though it seems that he is not obeying his own law. Now, let me say that again. The frustrating thing about worshiping God and serving God, it seems that God, it appears that God not obeying his own law. For example, when I was a boy, uh, my brother would tell me, uh, my mother and my father said, do this and that. Or my parents, our parents would say, do as I say, not as I do. Now, that might seem like uh, that, that's, that's, that, that's cruel, but no, that's not cruel. Because, listen, God knows, uh, he knows everything. <laughs> God is sovereign. So your parents have the right to say, do as I say, not as I do. Why? Because, now listen, listen. What got Adam and Eve is this question right here. The first part of this question, why? This, this is what Satan utilized when he got and entrapped Adam and Eve. Let, let's go back to it, Genesis. Everybody turn their Bible now. Genesis uh, chapter 3, and the verse is number 1. Let's look at Satan. The Bible says, And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Now notice what it says, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but of the, notice now, notice, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. Then she goes to add more to it. It says, neither shall you touch it. So here we find this question right here. It says, the question says, the first application is, why an all-powerful creator of the universe need praise and worship. So here, Satan is talking to Eve, why God, why God told you to do what he don't do. <laughs> In other words, why God can do as I say, not as I do. What does Satan say? Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. 
So when you read the question, it says, please explain why an all-powerful God of the universe need praise and worship. He don't need praise and worship. God is a God of no need. What he's doing, he is allowing you, allowing us to worship him. So that's why he said in Hebrews, he says, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, they were afraid to come and worship. But he said, listen, now you can't come. He said, that's why it says, forsaking not the assembly of yourselves together as the man of some is. For if you sin willfully. So here we find that the, the application of the question is we must understand that the fall of man is a, that's what happened right here. That Satan entrapped man to make that God needed him, but God didn't need man. God created man for Jesus. God created man. In other words, there are things that we have in life that my parents bought me a bicycle. I didn't need one, but she bought it, and he, she wanted me to take care of it. Woo! <laughs> I didn't need a certain thing. My, my, uh, I bought my first car. I didn't need that, but I wanted it. And so it's not that God needs us. We must understand that we need God. How do we handle life, Brother Phillips? What the, the question near is asking, how do we handle life when it seems that God don't abide by his own rules? Okay. Now, the first thing is God is sovereign. Now, the word sovereign means all supreme, all ruler. The word uh, sovereignty here is telling us that God has ultimate power. So what God did, God, uh, in his uh, providential scheduling, he, he gave us uh, three applications here to be able to understand the reason why God breaks his own law. <laughs> Ooh, let, me, let me tell you the reason why God breaks his own law is because God created man, man sinned, then God made God man. <laughs> so that's why God can say, do as I say, and not as I do. Because you can't do what I do. <laughs> Look at God. Now, now, so you remember that Christ is the mediator between God and man. And so here we find Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, all power is given unto me and in heaven and earth. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, read on your own. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So God don't need us. We need God. God allowed us to worship him. Uh, God, Listen, listen. Sovereignty, and this will shock some of you all, Sovereignty is the authority without accountability. <laughs> Say again, Brother Philip. Sovereignty is authority without accountability to others. In other words, can nobody address God and say, God, why are you so powerful? Why do you need me to worship you? Because 
you can't say God because God have no one that can hold him accountable. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 16, they told Abraham, Abraham, I, I looked around to try to make a covenant with you, and I tried to find somebody to help me, but I couldn't find nobody that could hold me accountable but myself. So God said, I swore by myself. <laughs> Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 13, he said, I, I swore by myself. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 13, I swore by myself. In Isaiah 43, 53, Isaiah 45, 23 says, and I swore by myself. God don't have nobody that can hold him accountable. So who, who are we? Now, I understand the question, and it's a good question. I understand what you're asking. Why an all-powerful God, a universe, need praise and worship? He does not need praise and worship from us. He allowed us to need him. Woo! Now, let me hear on from the time almost up. Now, the next part of the question, the next part of the question uh, is, the applicant's other question is, uh, Furthermore, or further please explain why humans need to offer praise and worship. Why humans need to offer praise and worship. Uh, because God is not a sinner. <laughs> because, listen, listen, because God is not a sinner. The reason why we need to offer praise and worship to God, because we are stepping up. We are always trying to be righteous. We always try to do better. And you can't, there is no way you can reach the limit of God throughout the universe, throughout ever and ever and ever and ever and on and on and on and through billions and billions and trillions of years. We cannot reach God's level. And so here, the reason why God allowed us because he is not a sinner. Let, let, let me share it to you. Let's go to Hebrews again. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Everybody turn the Bible down to Hebrews chapter 4, and the verse is number 14. Hebrews chapter 4, and the verse is number 14 uh, through 16. The Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Now, remember now, underline that in your Bible. Passed into the heavens. I'm going to come back to that. Passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we. But notice what it says here. Come on, come here, come here to me. Yet without sin. So he have no sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. That's why we worship God. That's why I said the Lord, that I might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of me. It's about me. So the second part of the question further explains why humans need to offer praise and worship is because Jesus, God, has no sin. You do. You're the one that needs help. The one out of gas needs gas. The one that don't have no food needs food. The one that's blind needs to be have sight. Woo! Look at God. So here we find 
that God worked miracles. Now, 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 now catch on to this. God worked miracles. Jesus worked miracles. Don't you know every miracle he worked, he broke his own law? <laughs> Somebody ought to say me. Because he had nobody to hold him accountable. He, 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 mathematically, he broke his own law. You remember that two fish, five loaves of bread? He's how much you got? What you got? Feed 5,000. Broke his own law. <laughs> Physically, uh, he broke his own law. When you remember he uh, came to Peter walking on the water and, and broke his own law. That, that's not what men do. Peter said, Lord, bid me to walk on the water. Bible says Peter got out the boat, walked on the water, but then looked around and started sinking, broke his own law. Medical, in the medical field, Jesus broke your own law. The woman said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, she touched the garment, Jesus, somebody touch me. Good God, somebody. Come on, brother, come on, say, if you're good of it, somebody touch me. Look at it. He broke his own law. Look at it. Now, not only that, it's life and death. He said, uh, go get Jesus for his friend, the sick, he whom he loved. Lazarus was sick. Jesus waited for days. Got there the way he laid it. He, he's dead. He's already. Jesus said, uh, I'll see him at the resurrection. I'm not talking about the resurrection. Show me where you laid it. Broke his own law. Called Lazarus come from the grave. Broke his own law. And notice now, uh, in justification, forgiveness, Bible says that Jesus came, died on the cross for our sins. Isaiah 53. Who shall believe our report? This is what our report. Who shall believe our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For I said, go before him as a tender pet, and as a root out of a God. God, they have no fault, no kindness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we shall desire him. He is despised and rejected him in. Don't you know that Jesus broke his own law? He said, I tell you, in the beginning, he told Adam and Eve, you eat the fruit, you're going to die. Yeah, that Sunday morning, Jesus got up out the grave, broke his own law. And then, let me wrap it up. And then the last part of it, the application of the question is, in each case, what uh, deficiency is urged and satisfied. <laughs> oh, somebody need to help me out here now. When, when was God satisfied? <laughs> when Jesus said, it is finished. <laughs> when Jesus said, Lord, it is finished, he got satisfied. Why? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belongs to God. Now, now the word things is not in the original language. It was added to heaven out. So the secret belongs unto the Lord, God. And, and you remember, uh, now, so why, uh, the last part of this, why then, Brother Phillips, who, who, who satisfied? Let, let me show it to you. Turn your Bible to Luke chapter 15, and I got to let you go. Luke 15 and the verse is number 8. Everybody turn the Bible, Luke chapter 15 in the verse is number 8. And we find these words written. The Bible says, Jesus is doing the speaking. He says, 
either put woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle. Look at this now. He light a candle. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus came to translate us out of darkness into the marvelous light. Let's find out who said it. Uh, he says, the candle and swept the house and seek diligent till she found it. And when she had found it, she called those who are satisfied. She called her friends. She's satisfied. Her friends are satisfied. Her neighbors are satisfied. Together, saying, rejoice with me. I have found the peace which was lost. Don't you know we were lost? God found our peace in Jesus Christ. Let me, let me wrap it up. Verse 10 says, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Brother Philip, what do you say? I'm saying God is satisfied. When Jesus died, he was what Pilate said. Uh, Don't you know I can kill you? Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are your horses now? You can't do nothing. You, you, don't, you don't see them angels guarding me. All I got to do is just snap my hand. You don't see. Uh, God is satisfied. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for our sin that we might have a right to the tree of life. I'm your speaker, Brother Clay Phillip. Remember this. Keep it real. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Oh. 
Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. And the website, to the, uh, the link to the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. The Tuesday, every Tuesday, we have uh, a most of the live show, What a Word from the Lord radio show. That show airs from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And the second Tuesday of the month, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making their proclamation of the Gospel of Christ. Also during that show, we have the Community Corner segment. And that segment is designed for small business and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. I have three co-hosts on that show. Lou Gilbert, who serves as the evangelist for the Oakbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isa Mullins, who serves with the Church of Christ in Cary. North Carolina, and the fourth Tuesday of the month, we have the show that airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the co-host is Kelly Fletcher. She serves the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. She has the Kelly Fletcher Show. So that's the second Tuesday and the fourth Tuesday of the month. We air that show, What a Word from the Lord radio show. And then on Thursday each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'm hosting the live show, the Gospel Light radio show. I have seven co-hosts on this show who are presenting lessons from the Word of God, and each week we have two co-hosts on the air with me. Also, I'm taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook, and I'll be posing that question to one of my co-hosts on that live show, and that platform is called Shout It Out on Facebook. So please get involved in those biblical discussions. And then on Friday night, I'm hosting a live show, Stevie B, Acapella Gospel Music Class, and that show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on that show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices, and we're also interviewing the artists with producers, comedians, etc. And I'm also debuting new music and I'm featuring old music on that broadcast as well. And every third Friday of the month, we have the Top 20 Countdown show. And I also have the my on-demand episodes. If you can't catch any of these live shows on the Blog Talk Radio website, you can always go to the various musical platforms, wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, and pull up those on-demand episodes. And a few of the major platforms that I always like to announce because there's just so many musical platforms out there now since everyone is podcasting. It's Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, and YouTube, just to name a few, where you can find these shows. Just search for, in your browser, Stevie B Media Production. I'll just type in Stevie B, and the show should pop up as well. I also have recorded version shows. These shows are album debuts mostly, and this is the same playlist that I use on my live show on Blog Talk Radio. And these shows can only be heard on iHeartRadio, on Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search in your browser, Stevie B Recorded Version Shows. And 
We also want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you want to be a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B's Media Production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, want to edify, want to encourage you in the study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. My co-host, Steve Cordo is up next. Stay tuned for the Gospel Light Radio Show. I know
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host Steve Cordo and his subject, Shining as Lights. And good evening, Stevie. Thank you for having me on the program again. And welcome to those in the audience uh, listening to us on Blog Talk Radio or whatever platform that you are on. Glad you could be here. And if you have your Bibles handy, uh, let's open up to Philippians chapter 2. And while you're uh, going over to Philippians chapter 2, remember in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And, And he also told us that we are to be the light of the world. Now, interesting thing about light is it's one of those things that can work for you or work against you. If the power goes out and you get the flashlights out, they can be used to guide us outside and get us uh, away from the uh, the darkness and get us to light or get us to safety. On the other hand, light can also be turned around and put in your face where it blinds you and, and causes a lot of other problems. Jesus wants us to be the guiding light. He wants us to be the light that's going to guide people to uh, safety, that's going to guide people to the eternal home that we all want to be in one day and be with our Lord. And here in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is essentially saying the same thing. In uh, beginning in verse uh, 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring or complaining, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, when people spend enough time around us, they should notice something different. That's why we are told to walk as children of light in Ephesians chapter 5. And then the Apostle John says to walk in the light as he is in the light, that is, as God is light or as Jesus is in the light, and then shine as lights or stars in the universe. And the world, as we look around, we can see it's pretty dark, spiritually speaking, and it's getting darker. Uh, There is less acceptance for Christianity or really even anything uh, spiritual. Even those who claim to be Christians are getting away from sound doctrine. And so I want us this evening, we're going to look at uh, shining as stars or shining as lights in the world. And to start it off, we need to remember that all of us have to do our part. You know, he says to verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, we need to obey and follow God as our top priority, using God's word as our roadmap. And have a proper and a holy respect for God that, that motivates us to proper Christian conduct. You know, there's a lot of people out there today who mock uh, God, who laugh at God and the commandments. And then they turn around and wonder why the world is in such a mess. 
Well, if we just simply take a look at the Old Testament and see what happened to Israel every time that they uh, disobeyed God. In fact, when you look at the book of Judges, there is that cycle we see where Israel is doing well, everything's going good. They start to drift away from God, and then they get into trouble. Some nation, uh, usually the Philippine, uh, the Philistines rather, come along and they conquer Israel and enslave them. And then Israel cries out to God, and eventually uh, God raises up a judge. The judge leads them to freedom and and uh, uh, throws out the enemy, and then the cycle starts all over again. And if you look at human history, that has been the cycle. Things are going good. We're we're a righteous uh, nation, and then the nation starts to drift away from God, and then gets into trouble, and then a revival comes along, and then the whole cycle eventually starts over. And it, it's not just in America, but just look at human history. We uh, humans, as a general rule, do not have a particularly good track record at staying faithful to God for uh, the long haul. But here in Philippians, we also need to, uh, uh, he's showing us, telling us we need to have this respect for God. We need to uh, keep our light shining. And another thing we need to understand in verse 12 is that he is not suggesting that we earn salvation when he says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The idea here is that we uh, stick with it, that we uh, stay with it uh, through the end. You know, our salvation is not gained by our works of righteousness, but after we become Christians, we are told in Titus chapter 3 that we need to be zealous for good works. In other words, we need to be enthusiastic about our service to God, because failure to follow through with that after we become a Christian uh, can lead us to drifting away. Christians need to feel a, a certain fear and trembling because there is danger in forsaking Christ and in drifting away. Christians can fall away. The Bible is pretty clear about that. And persistence is going to be the key to uh, uh, staying on the track that God wants us on. Uh, Paul says, and here's where the persistence comes in, that as you have always obeyed, see, this is the kind of obedience that is commendable. See, obedience was their way of life. Living a Christian life and applying it was the, the way that the Philippians lived their life. He says, as you have always obeyed. You know, choices face us daily. Think about how many choices we make every day. It all starts when that alarm goes off. Okay, my choice is I either reach over, shut the alarm off, and I get out of bed and go on and get about my day. Or I reach over and slap that snooze button and go back to sleep for 10 minutes or whatever it is. Choices face us every day. And then we roll out of bed and we go, okay, hmm, am I going to go for a walk? Am I going to hit the shower? Am I going to have coffee? We start making choices. And God gives us guidelines for our choices to make as far as our service uh, to him. Our obedience is to be to God. And we are to uh, to uh, solve our problems. We solve our issues as an act of obedience to God. We make choices every day to obey God, and that is how people are going to see that we are truly saved, perseverance, uh, as we uh, go through our lives. And Paul says that uh, the Philippians had always obeyed God, not only when he was with them, but when he was away. He knew they were being faithful. And 
they they were being a good example for others because of their faithfulness. One thing to think of as parents that as our kids are growing up, we need to make sure they are grounded in the faith so that when they finish high school and they go uh, to college or they join the military or they go out and get their own play, whatever it is they're going to do, they will be faithful to the Lord, even though we're not there to watch over them and get them out of bed and get them ready for Sunday school or for church uh, every morning. Uh, they need to be raised up to have their own faith. Which means as we're growing in our faith and as we are working out our salvation, we depend on God. Look at verse 13. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, this gives the perfect balance. We do our part because God has done his part first. While we were still enemies, Christ died for us. God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. And he says um, uh, it is God who is working in you. This word for work is the in the original language is the source of our English word energy. It is the gospel that has the energy to transform us. It is the power of God to save, Romans 1.16 tells us. And we become sons and daughters of the living God through this gospel, through the energy uh, of the gospel because of what God uh, has done. And it is God working in us. That's the balance there. We do our part, and God has done uh, his part. And uh, the fact that God started all this work uh, should give us a sense of responsibility. In other words, God sent Jesus. Jesus uh, died for my sins, I, and, and I became a Christian. So now I need to show some responsibility and stewardship by simply living a life that reflects positively uh, on the Lord. If it hadn't been for that initiative that God took, if it hadn't been for him sending Jesus, none of us would have the, the salvation or have the opportunity to be with the Lord uh, in heaven. So we need, we need to remember that. We need to remember those works. And then another thing he says in verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without murmuring or grumbling. And, and this word here for arguing can be actually it is better translated as a murmuring. Uh, apparently, you know, the Philippians, there's a lot of praise and exhortations uh, in the Philippian letter, but they're humans. They're not perfect. And apparently there was uh, some complaining and some mumbling going on uh, in the ranks there. And and look at us today. How many uh, have you ever worked with someone on? on the job who just was real negative and complained all the time. Uh, you don't want to be around people like that, do you? That, that becomes, it gets old real fast when people are just complaining all the time. We had, um, Debbie and I had dinner one night, uh, this was years ago, with a, a, a relative of mine who brought a man with her that she was uh, kind of dating at the time. And as we sat and talked, uh, he I didn't notice it until we got in the car later and left to go uh, back to our hotel. And Debbie said, did you notice how he complained so much? He complained about the food, complained about service, complained about this, that, the other. And I thought about it. I said, you know, you're right. He was a complainer. And it kind of put a damper on things. And the chronic complainer just never seems to be satisfied with anything and is, you know, has a grievance about just about everything. 
And so Paul tells us to not murmur, not complain, not grumble or argue. And this has the idea of muttering under our breath. I mean, you, know, you give someone a job, they really don't want to do it. So as they're going off to do it, they're just mumbling under their breath real quiet and that sort of thing and just being real, real unhappy about it. Because that that's the kind of conduct that is not really becoming of a Christian. He says uh, he wants us to do everything without mumbling, without complaining, uh, trying to have the best possible attitude. Because remember, we're reflecting the Lord. And people, when they see us, then they think, oh, are you serious? He's a Christian. I see his attitude. I see the way he behaves. You're kidding. He's a Christian. No way. He can't be. You know, we want them to say, you know what? He's a Christian. Yeah, I could believe that. Uh, I see the way he lives his life. I see that he is uh, uh, really reflective of Jesus uh, in the scriptures. So we want to make sure that we're not mumbling or complaining or showing a general bad attitude uh, about things. And then as we go on in verses 15 and 16, we see there that believers should not murmur and argue so that they don't give the ungodly an opportunity to discredit our faith. Just think about, do we complain and argue about every uh, little thing when we're at work or maybe we're at a restaurant? Yes, there are some Christians who do complain a lot and get into arguments a lot. But the goal for us should be to be Christ-like, be blameless and pure is what he wants us to be. And when he, when here in verse um, 15 where he's... Uh, where he's saying, uh, do all things without uh, complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. Now, when he says blameless, he's not saying that we have to live our lives perfectly and never do anything wrong, never make a mistake. Uh, what he's talking about here is that we should live our lives so that no one can make a accusation against us. Uh, we are avoiding the appearance of evil that uh, the worst thing anybody can say about us, according to Peter, is that uh, we're Christians. Harmless here uh, in verse 15 means uh, without guile. It's another way of saying uh, that we should be blameless. And since we are to be the example to others, we ought to exemplify Christ's attitude towards whatever it is we're doing for the kingdom. When you look back at the four uh, biographies of the Lord, we don't see anywhere in there where he showed a bad attitude, where he complained or anything like that. We see where he uh, took on the Pharisees. He wasn't afraid to uh, to uh, hit them head on and debate with them. But when it was going, he was going about his work, day to day life. Jesus never showed any kind of a attitude that was uh, uh, filled with uh, guile or filled with murmurings and complaints or anything uh, like that. In verse 15, he says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky or like lights in the sky. Another way to say this is that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights. That is how we stand out from those around us. Paul speaks about those who are, uh, who are looking at the believer's lives. You know, people are watching us. People are going to know that we go to church. They see us leaving Sundays, uh, get in the car, wearing uh, nice clothes, suits, and, and the women are in dresses a lot of the times. And so people know where we're going. And if we go to a restaurant uh, around noon or so on Sunday and we come in in a suit and tie, people are going to know we've just come from a church service. 
So what are we displaying when we're out in public? You know, the character of those that are that are watching us, Paul says here in verse 15, that they're, it's a crooked and perverse generation. There are people that are not Christians that are uh, watching Christians and seeing, are we really reflecting the character of Christ? And there should be a contrast. Among whom he says you shine as lights. In other words, we need to be standing out from the world around us. We need to show a difference. Uh, when I see churches and denominations that are changing their doctrinal stance on things because they want to be more open and accepting to the world. And I'm all for being accepting of sinners. We're all sinners. I'm all for that. But we do not change doctrine. We do not change our teachings to accommodate those who are not Christians. They need to change their lives to match whatever the Bible teaches. We do not change uh, ourselves to become more like the nations around us. Uh, just take a little look at the Old Testament and see what happened to Israel when they started worshiping idols and adopting the ways of the nations around them. It did not end well, and it will not end well for us either if we go down that same road. And then we all need to be different so that we can make a difference. Remember, salvation starts when we are baptized into Christ, but that's not the end. Uh, many times when someone is baptized, they come out of the baptistry and they come out in the auditorium. And what, what I have done for many, many years is I'll have everybody join hands and we'll make a circle around the auditorium. Uh, even if it's on a Sunday and you got a hundred people there, we'll still do it. And then I'll say something uh, to the, to the new brother or sister. I'll say something like, uh, well, this is your family. We're all here for you. We are all working together for this. And then uh, we'll have a prayer, and then uh, we'll uh, go on with our day. Now, many times what happens is that new Christian leaves the church building, and they go uh, back home, uh, they, they go to work, and they go right back into the same environment they came out of. And then they kind of get shaky with their faith, and then you know, in a month or two, if it takes that long, we don't see them anymore. You got to remember that when when a person becomes a Christian, their family and friends aren't going to understand because they're not Christians. So we have to make sure as they're leaving, you know, swap phone numbers with a new Christian. Uh, if they're on social media, look them up on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or LinkedIn or whatever their social media is, and make that connection with them, uh, so that we can be an encouragement to them that this is the beginning of their walk with Christ, and let's help them stay in that walk so that they too can become the light that they need to be. Now, if becoming a Christian doesn't change the way we live our lives, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we make decisions, then something isn't, isn't right. And if our lives are not reflecting Christ, then did we really get converted when we uh, were baptized? Did we really... Uh, make Jesus our Lord and our Savior, because salvation that does not change you really isn't worth having. We do not want to, to maintain and become like the, the people around us, the nations around us. We need to make sure there's a difference. We need to make an impact on this world by being visibly and measurably and noticeably different in our thoughts, our attitudes, we are to be different so that we can make a difference. I can't make a difference in anybody's life 
if they can't tell the difference between me and someone who's not a Christian. And why is it so important that we be uh, exemplary in our lifestyle and in our behavior? Well, because we live in a crooked and a perverse generation. Crooked comes from a Greek word, uh, which means uh, it's where we get the English word scoliosis, which is a curvature of the spine. And the word perverted is a much stronger word and really means that these uh, the people that Paul is talking about are crooked by choice. Sin is a choice. It's not something that we happen just by uh, that happens just by accident, or that we make a mistake. If I'm if I'm giving you directions to come to my house and I tell you to okay go to the fourth light and turn right, and you miscount and go to the fifth light and turn, well that's a mistake. You just miscounted. But sin is a choice that we make, and sometimes uh, we might even plan uh, uh, instances that'll get us uh, into sin. And we've got got to remember that people, that the Lord's not only watching, but people here uh, uh, around us are observing our conduct. And we should always be living in such a way that they will want uh, to become Christians. A changed life is a very powerful tool to bring souls to Jesus. And the changes that we seek have got to start uh, with us. Story is told of a little girl who was on her way home from church one day with her mother, and she suddenly says, "Mommy, the preacher's sermon this morning confused me." And she said, "Oh," and the mother says, "Oh, really? Well, uh, why? Why is that?" She said, "Well, he said that God is bigger than we are. Is that true?" The mother said, "Well, yes, that's true." And he, the preacher also said that God lives within us. Is that true? Yes, said the mother. The girl thought about it and said, well, if God is bigger than us and he lives in us, wouldn't he show through? The people will see the way we live. They'll notice differences. The light of Christ needs to show through us. And what happens when we shine in a dark place? Well, the world's going to notice. It it doesn't take much light uh, to be visible in a really dark space. The world will notice differences. We will shine like stars. And then we will be a good example to the people around us to follow if we let our light shine. And that's what I'd like to leave you with this evening as we're wrapping up this lesson is don't shine your light uh, real hard, but just let it shine. Let it speak for itself. And that will lead you to an opportunity where you can share the gospel with people and you can get into the scriptures and add souls to the kingdom. Thank you for being with us. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, Stevie, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our show. I want to thank you for tuning into the radio broadcast. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media. I want to thank my co-host Brian Christian Coleman for his lesson. Also, Steve Carter for his lesson. I certainly appreciate the efforts that these gentlemen put forth every week on this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't take any of this for granted, and I certainly appreciate them very, very much. I also want to uh, thank my co-host, Clay Phillips, for answering that question that we had. That was a great question, great answers uh, provided on the show as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. It is our prayer that the lessons that we're giving on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in to this radio show, but you're giving yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.